The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Lord, thanks for tonight. Thanks for um, us finally getting a little sun. Lord, thank you for every person who is in this room that you have called uh, to this place tonight. Lord, we want to hear something from you. Lord, whatever we're bringing in, thank you that you're big enough to handle it, that you can handle um, our questions or disappointments. You can handle um, frustrations that we're carrying, even our apathy. Uh, Lord, we pray that that uh, we would hear something from you tonight, that, you, that we would get a fresh vision of you. Uh, you would call us in some way, wherever we're at, uh, closer to you. Lord, we thank you for this time and, and, and look to you to speak in your name. Amen. We'll have a seat. Nice to see you. Welcome. Uh, it's fun to see some faces I know. It's fun to see some faces I don't know, some new people. It's fun to see some faces I haven't seen in a while. Um, my name is John. I'm director of Convergence, and uh, I'm glad you're here. We're, we're taking uh, this time this summer. It's kind of summer part two. We, we go to the park uh, for a little bit, and then we uh, come inside for a little bit before we get going. And, and it's, it's this important time of year where we, we kind of, we, we, we kind of, we're going, but we're sort of going slow. It's that, it's that time where we're enjoying. People are coming and going all over the place. Uh, a lot of people coming though. I mean, one of the things that we so appreciate, um, and if you're new, I'm so glad you're here tonight. I'm so glad you made it, um, out is that a lot of people are coming into Seattle for the first time or looking for a church. And so we're excited that you're with us. And, and so before we get going, we usually take this time to sort of refocus. What is it that we're about? You know, what is it that kind of, what does God might have in store for us? And so, uh, we're doing that by kind of looking at some of the basics. Um, that guide some of the fundamentals that guide uh, this particular community, this particular ministry. Well, I was new uh, five years ago. I don't feel like I'm new now. It feels like it's been forever. But I was new five years ago. I was uh, uh, thrown into this uh, community called Tuesday Evening uh, Worship. I've been thinking about that a little bit as I've been thinking about uh, kind of what guides our community. I was thinking back to those early days, you know, that often I felt, uh, I felt nervous. I didn't really know if anybody would like me. I'm pretty sure some people didn't, um, but that's okay. Uh, I was called to it. It's my job. Anyway, so, but I was, but I was new and it was, what was going on here and what did God have in store? And I was both really, really excited and also a little nervous. I, I'd done ministry before, but not, not in this particular capacity and with this particular group of people. Um, but it was in those first couple of weeks, I wanted to share this incident with you that I, as I thought about it, really kind of marks, um, one of the worst moments since coming here. Um, and at the same time, one of the best. That's what I mean. One of the worst. I, I signed up to be a director of young adults. I mean, it's 20s and 30s. It means people who are full of life. If anything, the problem is too much life. Okay? Rain them in, direct them a little bit, right? Too much life. I didn't think I'd be doing memorials, but I had a memorial that came at the beginning. I thought, I don't, you know, I've done lots of stuff before, but I haven't ever done memorials. And, and uh, But I had a memorial, and I thought, this isn't my job. But it was. Because the memorial was for someone not at the end of their life, but was for someone um, in their early 20s. A young woman who had moved here from the East Coast. She had gotten a teaching job. I believe it was in Everett. 
And um, I can't remember how long she... She had been here a little bit longer than I had, but not long. A year, the very, very most. I think it was more recent than that. Um, and I say that because I, I didn't ever really get a chance to know her. You know, when I, I was brand new here, there was, so, there was so much going on. I didn't even know where the bathroom was. I mean, I literally, I was asking people, like, where to find meetings in the church. I, I did not know where I was going. And so she actually was uh, somebody that I, I had in my inbox. We were supposed to get together. We were kind of going back and forth, but we hadn't ever been able to meet face-to-face. Well, she had moved here, um, started this new job right out of college, um, made friends, connected with uh, some folks in the, in the community, and um, made friends quickly in a lot of ways. And she was out on one of these days, it's probably like today, where it's, you know, it's like today sort of, Gives you hope for the entire year in Seattle, right? It's just glory. You're outside. It's like it's amazing. It's why we live here. It's why we put up with kind of gray and dawn, right? Throughout, it's always dawn and every day, right? Here in Seattle, throughout the year, except for this year. Anyways, so she'd been out and she just had this glorious day. She'd been rock climbing and and it was a day where she's so full of joy. I mean, she's she. The reports of people who were with her just said that she. There was a sense of just unbelievable joy, both at the beauty of the creation and at God's goodness. And yet later that day, she would die. She'd fall to her death because of a rock climbing accident. And it's tragic, right? It's, you're not, I'm not supposed to, you know, it's always somehow about you. I'm not supposed to do memorials for people in their 20s, let alone someone who is so full of life and seems to have so much potential. Here's why it was the best. Is that um, pretty soon I discovered that there was this group of friends that didn't know her very long. And yet said, we need to do a memorial for this person. This friend that they had come to love. Um, they didn't have help from the family. The family's on the East Coast. And understandably, they just wanted to have a memorial there. So no help from the family, but that, they didn't let that stop them. They said, we gotta do something. We need to do something. And so, and so I met with them a little bit. And then, and then I went and I, I met with the congregational care department here and, and Ray Moore, who has been pastor for well since Jesus. So he, he's been around. He has lots of experience and he does a lot of memorials. And so I said, you know, I got all these notes from, from seminary. I, I know technically what to do, but I, I don't know how to do this. Um, and they walked me through it. And it was, what was amazing is to see, you know, I, I didn't even have to ask twice. There's a group of people that had some kind of connection to this church, but not really. And, and some people, not at all. They just were friends of people that went here. And yet there was a sense of we, we need to do something. But they jumped right in. They said, yeah, we'll put on a reception. We'll help you with all the details. We'll print up programs, all this kind of stuff. We'll help you walk through it. And I got help walking, walking through it. Well, the day of the memorial, um, I started sweating a little bit more because it not wasn't just going to be with friends, but it ended up that they were going to um, that uh, her school was invited, so all of her teachers' friends came down and were there. But not just her teachers; all the elementary kids that she had taught that year were coming down and were going to sit in there. People who some people had some sort of Christian faith. A lot of people who. Um, I was told expressly, expressly didn't have Christian faith. And yet we're all coming down. And now I had to like make sense. I felt this sense of we have to make sense of, of death for these, with these kids. 
What do you do? How, what do you do with that? Well, I don't remember all of the particular details, but needless to say, something amazing happened that day as people began to share remembrances of 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 who this person was and and the kind of friend that they were and and the sort of influence that they had. I mean. Really, like, it's just giving witness. I mean, they're personally saying, this is how this person influenced me in, in particularly good way. This is the kind of friend. These are the things that they did. And you begin to realize that in a short year, she was beloved at the school. Brand new, fresh, but somehow beloved at the school and certainly by the kids that she had worked um, with. Had people coming up. You know, in particular, teachers coming up and were just so excited. People who had um, Christian faith because they were so thankful for somehow the gospel was proclaimed that day. The good news about Jesus was proclaimed that day. What I saw is that God's future was released powerfully in such a way that the pain didn't go away. Some of the confusion didn't go away. But death didn't have the last word. Joy did. Gratitude did. A sense of hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. That's in Presbyterian world, we often will talk about, you know, a memorial service is a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. That it is about remembering a person, but it's also about saying we, we, we mourn and we cry, but we do so with hope because of Jesus who has gone before us and invited us, uh, into life beyond the grave. But death didn't win that day. And as much as I would have liked to have taken some credit for it, you know, and I played a role in it, um, you quickly realize, we, we'd use this term release for kind of a way to talk about how we view our role in what God is doing. Um, and I played a role, but there was just a sense of when you begin to see God at work and his spirit at work and this thing we call the kingdom, God's his presence and his power, when you get a, a, a sense of what happens, you quickly realize you've got to play a role, but not much. It really didn't have anything to do about you. It had everything to do about you somehow being able to participate. And sometimes it just felt like maybe you're just pushing a button. Maybe you're just somehow in the middle. And there are things that are coming at you and things that are coming out of what you get to be a part of that go way beyond what you could possibly control. I got to see that that day. I don't know about you. I, it's a little, sorry to bring a little, little, uh, Talk about death on a sunny day. I keep looking outside. There's not even clouds, which is awesome. Um, but I actually find memorials are often inspirational. I find that, you know, when I go to a, a memorial that I, that I have a sense of, um, being inspired by that particular life. It, it, it kind of shakes me out of, um, you know, chaos and confusion and the busyness of my life. And somehow, because I, I get sort of this view into the future, right? Sort of the, the end. That in um, the end, and, and you get to see what ha- at the end what matters, and it, it brings clarity to right now. You know this priority because you see that, what, how, what kind of person, um, what kind of person they were, what, how they spent their time, how, how they were a friend. What, what did they prioritize in their life? What did they at the end of the day? What did they what did they say was most important? You know, maybe you saw something about their, of their generosity or um, what kind of son or daughter or parent. You know, what was, you know, faith? What was their, how was faith important? I often walk away and I'm, I'm inspired. 
And I think it's because there's a sense of um, glory. We talk about glory in the church a lot. I want to bring glory a little bit closer. Because we can, glory can be used of all kinds of things. You know, glory is this sense of, of you're seeing both kind of the character of something, but also the effects of something. And here's, a, here's just a dictionary definition. Glory, you could talk about it, you know, this unbelievable beauty or magnificence. A state of great splendor, prosperity, beauty. There's just a sense. That's why sometimes people talk about glory when they're outside. They just, you look at, you know, you look at the mountains and, and, and the views we have around here, and there's just a sense of awe. You get that with people's lives, too. You get a sense of, you know, at the end of the day, some of the mistakes that they made, probably, you know, you end up seeing what the effect that they had, some of the, the bad moves. And a lot of times that stuff just kind of goes away. And what you see is the effect of that person. And, and what glory does is it always moves you. It always affects you. It always sort of inspires something in you. Sort of, it, it usually can cause praise where you just kind of go, oh, awesome, awesome. Sometimes what it does is it, it says, I, I, I see that that is beautiful, that that, that that is true, that that is good, that that is uh, impactful in a positive way. I want to be like that after I'm done praising it. That's what glory does. You, see it, you can see it in all, all kinds of um, uh, avenues. I think you see that, and it, and it begins to influence you. So I want to throw out a general question so we get to do, especially on this time uh, of the year. Some of you maybe have been to memorials. Um, what have you been inspired by as you've heard about the life of people? As you walked away from a memorial and you said, you know what? It might look a little different, but I want to be like that. That was inspirational. Or, or, or it's a little closer to home. Um, what is it that you would, you know, what is it that you hope, um, could be said about you at the end, at the end of your life, at your memorial? What are people gonna get up and give witness about? What are people gonna get up and go, you know what? John, he might not have been everything, but he was this. I saw this. He did this for me. He was this to me. So, what is it that inspires you when you think about memorials you've been at, or even when you think at the end, this is what I wish people would say about me. Fire it off. Be bold. Bravery. Bravery. What else? Authenticity. You want to say anything more about that? What that means to you? <laughs> All right. All right. Kept it real. I love that. What else? Generosity. Generosity. You know, one of the things I loved about my grandfather um, at the end of his days is that one of the words you could describe him was generous. And uh, I love that. I think, gosh, I want to... I want to be generous with whatever I have. You know, I might not be rich, but I want people to have a sense of, yeah, there was a generosity to them. I'm with you. What else? Yeah. Selfless. There's two, two, selfless and presence. What, expand that just a little bit. Like available. So not both kind of available you know, when somebody really needs it, and then and then not just like, hey, great, I'm glad, glad to hear you're okay, but I'm going to come over, I'm going to be with you. 
that selfless presence. Yeah. I'm going to say empowering truth. Now, there's something, you know, you know, when we can get beyond sort of a sense that, you know, people were just kind of, you know, lobbing truth or using truth as a weapon, which sometimes we've seen. There's something, there's something, it's courageous. We talk about courage, about somebody who speaks truth, even when it's difficult, but in such a way that empowers. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, invested. Invested. Yeah, you sort of, you see this, with something like that, you see this wealth, don't you? That isn't, you can't measure in dollars and cents. One more, yeah. Love. Love. You want to define that a little bit? Yeah, that's awesome. It's inspirational. But we're, what we're doing is we're looking at sort of our, you know, fundamentals, you know, mission statement. And mission statements, you know, they're, all right, you got to have them. They guide, but a lot of times they don't really mean anything unless we kind of put some, try to put a little bit of sort of flesh on it. They're just going to be real stale. And that's what we're trying to do over this next while. You know, for some people who are who are brand new, so you know a little bit about what we're about. But and for the rest of us, for, to remember, what are some of the things that are guiding all the activity that we do? Maybe let's, we can we can kind of reimagine a little bit in some new ways uh, what it might mean for us to live into some of these things as a, as a particular community in this next year. Well, so one of the things we talked about is this idea of releasing God's future today. And, and that comes out of a conviction that there is something vitally important happening in this, in this place of life in 20s and into the 30s. And, and it's, the, it's because I think it's the time is when we are setting the trajectory of our lives. We're making huge decisions. We're deciding what kind of faith are we going to have? You know, what's it going to look like? We're deciding who we're going to be with, what kind of community we're going to have. We're, we're starting to define friends in a, in a time when, you know, we don't have um, friends made for us. We don't get to be in kind of, we don't get to be get thrown in with dorms and we have to be friends with the people, whether we like it or not. we got to start making it. How do you make it? So we're, we're making all these big decisions and they are going to play. And then we're going to think about what, are, you know, our faith. So what is it going to look like? And it, what it looks like is going to either carry us. We're going to get going in a, in a certain direction, and it's going to carry us and empower us into whatever we want. It's going to have big influence in our life. Sometimes we can make decisions that might send us in a totally different direction, and, and we can change. Anyone can change, and yet there can be a time where it's, it's going to be really hard to sort of course correct if we realize that we've been heading in a wrong direction. But it's not just about us. It's about the influence that we're going to have in the world, in society, in a city, in a particular church, in a community. Like it or not, whether you feel like, whether you feel like a leader or not, you, the choices that you make will have a profound effect on the world. Could be good. Could be perhaps not so good. Could be ambivalent at the end of your life. you know, perhaps we go, well, the influence of this person, well, you know, they, they, they were, they were around, you know, they, they, it's going to have a, an effect. We're going to be the ones who will be setting the stage for, for what is acceptable, what is good, what is worthy of going after. We're going to be the ones who are going to be passing down to the next generation either a whole bunch of tools or a whole bunch of problems. Our, who we are and what we're going to do is going to have a profound effect. So, but, you know, so we, we've kind of tried. So releasing God's future today, how do we begin to think about being people who are moving towards God's future and are empowered to do so? 
We've got we to gotta get a little, that's good, that's kind of a good big statement, but how do we get a little more focused on that? Well, what is it, what would it take? What are some things that might be, uh, we can get our heads around a little bit better? Well, three things we talked about. Bre- Brenda talked about it uh, last week. You know, you've you, you got to do this. You've got to have people, and you've got to learn how to develop people. You don't have people, you're not going to be able to do this, because you, you can do it, but not when you begin to realize kind of the vision that God has for you. How he wants to participate, he wants you to participate in his kingdom. You can get away with saying, I don't really need anybody, um, really, um, if you have a really tiny little view of faith and what, what, what Jesus is about. A little tiny, like, put a tie on and sit in the pews and smile once a week. You, you could do that on your own. That's not, not what Jesus is, is about. So if you, you begin to have a bigger view, that's part of what we gotta say. What's the bigger view? What's the thing that we can participate in regardless of what we do and where we are? What is it about God's mission in the world that we can be a part of? How do we get a vision for that? And then how do we get a sense of what our role is? We're not called to be everything. We're not, we're not necessarily all called to have sort of a great status. Our name won't always be in lights, but we're all called to an important part. So how do we do that? Dave Lutz is who, uh, uh, works with us and speaks here on a regular basis. He's going to talk about that next uh, week. But having people is good, but it's not enough. At some point, um, we also have to talk about a faith, a faith that can expand. I would say, as I thought about it, a faith that can begin to deal with our current um, reality, encompass our current reality. It, it somehow has to grow because it's not enough just to have people that are cheering us on. Our faith needs to grow. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by a, a, a deep faith or a faith that um, can deal with our current reality? Even a biblical knowledge. We'll include that biblical knowledge. What do, what do I mean by that? Well, all of us, at some point, have some kind of faith that's sort of informing who we are. We're bringing in some something. And it could look like a faith or it could just be sort of a set of priorities. Sometimes it might feel a little bit mixed, but everybody has some kind of guiding principle, set of convictions, set of values that help them understand the world, help them make sense of the world. So, you know, it could be, you know, it could be, if we can just kind of expand it out a little bit, because a lot of times we think, well, it's just kind of, you're talking about just religion. We start talking about faith. But faith kind of, in this sense, I want us to push out a little bit. It could be, you know, it could be the potential of the individual. You know, it could be a sense of, you know, what is it that, that, that the human, the human person can accomplish? And if they were to just go all in, you know, if they were just to kind of put all their effort into it, that, that's kind of the, your, your kind of your guiding, your guiding principle. It, it kind of goes with the sort of, you can be anything that you put your mind to. I've come to finally admit that I think I have a celebrity double. Um, I think it's Eminem. I'll let you decide what that means and the implications of that. But thank you, Carly. But, uh, you know, e- you know, Eminem, he's got this great song at the, at the end. He's talking about, you know, um, you could do anything you put your mind to. And, and in some ways, that's true. You put in a lot of hard work. You know, you can accomplish a lot. You put, you kind of, you apply yourself, you go for it, you go all in, you can, you can accomplish a lot. You know, there's versions of this, like in the, kind of the American dream. You know, that we, you begin to, to sort of a sense that, you know, you put in your hard work, you put in your time, you're going to have a good life. 
Because what we're talking about is some sort of principle that helps us understand what, a good, what the good life is. By the way, if you want to know, like, that you have a good community of people, let me just tell you. It's, it's when you get a new minivan, and you got your guy, you got a couple guys that are coming over that actually ask for a ride in that minivan with the windows down around the neighborhood, just jamming Eminem as loud as you can <laughs> to lose yourself. There is nothing more paradoxical and ridiculous then going around, you can call it a swagger wagon, go for it. It's still just a giant crumb box. That you're cruising around, you know, smells vaguely of diapers and other things, you know, and then to be thinking you're a gangster. Anyways, that's when you know you have good friends, right? They're, they're, they're in there with you and encourage you. But so you could be that. So it could be the potential of the individual. It could be a sense that, you know, all, all, everything, you know, really the best life is guided by a sense of enjoying what matters today. So, you know, if we just kind of in, indulge our senses, the, the sense of what I want and I long for. And so that can be everything from, you know, like, man, my body is sexually wired. And so as long as I just need to make sure that I'm engaging in as much sexual encounters as feels good, because that's the end. And what, and let me tell you what, what gets, what destroys life, what destroys life is when you try to like cut that off or restrain it or gut it. And you should do whatever you want. You know, you should be able to have, eat whatever you want, eat great food. Because today, sort of this moment and what you can enjoy, that's sort of the best guiding principle that will, that will sort of lead you forward, lead you in decisions. Could be that, you know, more of a scientific point of view. It could be that there could be a set of, you know, you're looking out and you see that the most trustworthy thing that could order and direct a good life is kind of a set of scientific principles that you've seen. That if you follow them, you go, it, it, it'll make sense. It'll help guide you into the future. You know, sometimes it, these things get articulated more, a little bit more antagonistic. And sometimes it can come out of that science background. In that, in that it, it's more of like, you know, let me tell you what actually destroys life is religious convictions. Because scientific evidence would, would suggest that, that um, there is no God, clearly. In fact, faith has uh, has really destroyed the world is a, is a negative thing. Or perhaps it's just simply that I'm going to be against society because that helps me understand life better. That, that I, am, I have to stand against all of society because all of society is corrupt. And so I'm going to just rebel against it. But what we need to, I want to grant though, is that at least we're trying, no matter what you choose, whether it's some sort of faith, some sort of religious belief, or some sort of more bigger guiding principles, we're all trying to make good decisions, the best decisions with what we understand and experience. Right? We can say, nobody is intentionally saying, let me see, let me, I'm going to make the stupidest decision possible to totally mess up my life and everybody around me. Nobody makes that decision, right? Nobody does that. Despite sometimes what we like to say about others, regardless of where you stand, sometimes nobody makes that decision. Now, you can be the smartest person in the world and make a mistake. Okay, you can, you can be the most well-intentioned person and, and not make a good decision. That's totally possible as well. You just ask Brenna about that, right? You know, that's my wife, right? Totally intelligent, well-intentioned, good person that sometimes makes mistakes. Right? We all know that. It, it's, it's possible. Well, so, follow me just a little bit more on this. So, let's take the Christian sense of faith. It, we're not necessarily talking about just life in general, but it gets more specific. Somehow, our faith is, is, is driving. It's, it's there to, to sort of hold in. To hold in, to inform, to empower a life. But it's not just ambiguous stuff. So, I, I, I wrote down a couple of things. Probably not everything, but a few things. 
So, my cryptic drawings. Some of you are so excited to get confused by my drawings. But anyways, here we go. Right? Our life at some point, we have some sort of faith that that is going to inform our life. And our life is, you know, it can get tangible in the sense of, like, who are we? You know, who I am is my personality. What what is my, how does my faith sort of kind of hold, um, inform, empower me as a person, as a human being, as a man, as a, as a woman? It includes things like sexuality. How does it inform my, what it means to be a sexual being in the world? How does it inform, you know, job and and the job has got to be bigger than that. But how do I have influence in the world? What am I interested in? How am I creative? So job, vocation, um, how I, there's a that larger sense of work in the most positive sense. How does it, how does it inform that? How does it guide it? How does it empower it? How does it inform my sense of relationships and community? Whether that be just friends, whether that be kind of a wider community I'm a part of, people that can walk with me. Maybe it's, it's my family. It's my, it's, it's, it's starting a new family. It's finding a spouse. It's not finding a spouse. It's being a son. How does it inform my relationships? How does it inform kind of my basic needs? Home, the, the stuff that I need for basic life. What does it say about those things? And how does it guide those? And then how does it, how does it inform, guide, empower my sense of connection to God? Here's, here's what I would like to, at least, you know, for us to think about is I think everybody is trying to connect to something bigger. Okay, everybody, at some, for the most part, I'm sure there's exceptions out there, trying to connect to something bigger. Now, for some people who, who maybe a, a guiding principle in their life has become really the sense of, of caring and connecting with our planet, that some of that is, let's say, I feel like I connect into something bigger when I realize that I'm a part of this amazing thing, planet Earth. I'm a small part. Of it, and I connect. And sometimes, you know, we get the sense almost that when we're outside, certainly in the Northwest, that man, we connect into something bigger than ourselves. We want to connect into something bigger than ourselves. I'm connecting into the human project of progress. I'm connecting into a sense of of wider discovery that's out there. That we all, at some point, are trying to find something in which we can connect into something bigger than simply ourselves, because we can do a lot. But I think at some point we also say ah, we can't do. Um, we can't do that much. So something that holds, informs, empowers. Well, at some point, you know, this is great. We, we make a decision, and somehow it, it, it grabs these things. But then it, all's going well, but then suddenly something jumps in. And suddenly, you know, I think this could be like new information. It could be other things. New information. Um, missed expectations. Entitlements, you know, things like I'm supposed to get a job, I'm supposed to get a spouse, I'm supposed to have kids, I'm supposed to have family, I'm supposed to be provided. Sometimes suffering, chaos. There are things that kind of that, that jump in, and what happens is, is that no longer does faith seem to be able to hold these things, inform these things, or empower these things like I wanted. You see, they seem to move out of current reality. And so, in here is, you know, we have suffering, we experience evil. Things just go wrong. Suffering, evil, uh, chaos. Um, um, you know, new information comes in. Um, expectations. Uh, oh, that's a really bad information. Um, expectations aren't met. I certainly, I'll give you an example. I certainly have had this. I remember being a, I was a camp counselor. I remember sitting on the, 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 
the beaches of camp, thinking, I just got some new information um, about origins of the planet and, you know, from a scientific perspective. And it's, and, and from what I understand, from what I understood of faith, it, it's calling a lot of stuff into question. And I'm supposed to tell kids about Jesus, but I'm not even sure that God exists. I don't even know that when I'm praying, anyone's listening. That's scary when you got kids coming in three days and I'm supposed to get up and I'm thinking, what in the world? Sometimes we have that new information comes in. Something happens, we go, suffering comes in, we go, how am I supposed to take that and put it together with this God I know that's supposed to be good? Right? What do I do when expectations um, aren't met? Um, one of the, the folks in this community here came up and, and really, I thought, wisely said, you know, I've been listening to conversations that have been happening around convergence. I realized there's a convergence in really in a, in a negative sense that so much of our life in, in this time of 20s and 30s can be about this convergence of reality and our expectations and hopes. And they usually are dashed. It's hard. And it's really, really difficult. Um, they call into question who we are, what we believe, what we think is good, what we think is right. It calls into questions of all kinds of things. There's a song. I'm going to have Brenna give this song. There's a song that um, I listened to, uh, caught my attention recently, and it's, uh, there's this great little loop in it. Um, it says, um, I didn't promise you a rose garden along with the sunshine. There's going to be rain sometimes. And this person, and this uh, artist goes on to, to sing about how, you know, like, basically dealing with the sense of like, somehow life kind of gets busted in which it feels like things get difficult, confusing, hard, and yet he's wrestling with the sense of, though in that there's something better, that there's something more that I'm being called to. And yet, what's happening is his vision is getting pushed. I had a vision that I was going to get this beautiful rose garden and it was going to always be sunny. And now, switch the metaphor, it's raining on my parade. So this is, this is my question. I want you, we're going to turn in just a minute. We listen to the beginning of it. I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of catchy. Maybe you like it too. But this is what I want. I want you guys to think, I want you to turn to groups of, you know, three or four in a, in a second here and, and say, what are the things that are contending with your faith? How is your faith, maybe in these areas, maybe in others, the faith of your friends, what's the rain, if you want to put it that way, what's the rain that's coming in that's challenging faith in what you believe about, about what is the good life and about how to make sense? You know, where, where is faith being pushed, challenged, stretched? Um, what are those things? So talk, you can talk about that um, for yourself, for your friends, um, and we'll take a few minutes to do that. So... Tell me, so what's some of the stuff? What's some of the stuff that, that we have to contend with? What's pushing our faith? What's raining on our parade? For us and our friends. Singleness. Singleness. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I say expectations around that? Okay. Nice. Get it right out there. What else? Yeah. Jobs. Jobs, lack of job. Is somebody? 
Oh, fear. Everyone's like, beer? What's wrong with that? Sure, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a big one, especially when we, it's, it's a great way to talk about self. I felt that. Like, there's a sense that, you know, I had it. Like, as far as faith, I got it, you know? And then you start to realize, yeah, there's a lot more. And actually, I don't got it. And I know it, but why can't I do it? Paul talks about that, which makes me not feel so bad. If the Apostle Paul kind of goes, I know what to do, but I just can't do it. You go, alright. There's hope for some of us. Okay, so, right? There's a sense. When you, and I think that's, you start to get a vision for, for your life that gets beyond sort of kind of being nice, and you're pretty soon you're like, there's no way. How do, how do, how, what do I do with that when I feel like I'm capable of getting there? What else? It's good. The flesh. Tell me, you gotta tell me more about flesh. That's too, too general term. Okay, there's kind of lust, there's temptations. Okay, what's that? Health. Okay, yeah, there's a sense of, you know, sometimes what's, what's frustrating, I think, with faith, some of us have this, this, this sense of, like, faith is supposed to kind of in contain sort of my life, under, sort of understand my life, and yet there's, sometimes there can be this sense of, like, but I see, it feels like, it's not like there's like a wall around me. I find that there's a, there's a sense of there's almost a war going on inside of me. What do I do with that? It's frustrating. I thought I was supposed to get out of that. I thought Jesus was supposed to like, make it easy. It's not easy. Yeah. Okay, perfection. Yeah, a lot of us have tried to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's for frickin' tired. <laughs> limitations. I think that I, if I could maybe put a word on that, that I, limitations. You start to hit your limitations, and you go, just seem incapable of doing what I want. I mean, it's like kind of the flip side. It's not a negative thing. It's just like ugh, tapped out. Yeah, Michael. Depression. Depression. Yeah, big one. What else? And sometimes, perhaps, you know, we don't know what to do with things like doubt and pride. We have a faith that doesn't really know what to do with doubts. You can't have doubts. If you have doubts, it doesn't work. It all falls apart, right? You can have that, that sense. Our hope here, um, I want to end with uh, Paul, is that there's a sense of, um, I, I love, again, I love Paul, but there's so many characters in, in the biblical narrative that give me hope just because they're such a disaster. Um, Paul's one of those, you know. And I think one of the things we want to see a, a growth in biblical knowledge, and sometimes it means that we need to think better about our faith. You know, our faith was great. It was great perhaps for the place we're in. And maybe, you know, for some of us, some of our friends, they're going like, man, I'm looking at faith. Faith doesn't speak in any of these things. It's way, way, way too small. 
So, you know, either we come to a place where we feel like our faith sort of is too small. It doesn't, it's not big enough to contend with these things when we begin to understand them, let alone kind of everything that's coming at us. Loss of expectations, suffering, all this stuff. It's not big enough. Um, it, it might just be that our understanding of it just needs to grow. We need to start, we need to do, it, it worked well when we were younger. It doesn't work that well now. Totally appropriate when we're younger. But now we're going to have to use our heads a little bit more. We're going to have to wrestle with it. We're going to have to pray about it. It's it, that, that it, it needs to somehow to expand. It's not that it's not any good. We got to run after something else. It's that like, man, our understanding of it, it has got to expand a little. Sometimes, some of us need to have a sense. Uh, we don't even know our Bibles. We've heard us. We have a sense of like, well, I, I'm Christian. I grew up in the church. We don't know what scripture says. We know what people have told us scripture says, but we don't know what scripture says. We think you can't have any doubts. Look through the Bible. It's full of doubters. We think that we can't, we don't know what to do or that God, we can't be honest with God because God's holy and he's mighty and he wants us to just be in line. Well, what happens when we're just pissed at God? Oh, we can't do that because that's, look in the Bible. I mean, you know, you think we have to be perfect. God is, wants to sort of, you know, he wants a standard for us. We don't know our Bibles. You look in there. I mean, the patriarchs through Genesis are the big, is the most dysfunctional, messed up family you can meet. I mean, the stories go on and on. It gets graphic. Maybe PG-13, right? But so when we start to think, well, I don't know if it's going to handle my life. Well, it's, part of it is that we just need to grow our, our sense of scripture. Paul, though, is this guy. He was, he had credentials. He was, he had, he came from the right family. He was smart. He was super smart. Um, he had all the right training, he had everything, and yet there was a moment where he realized his faith had to expand. It's this moment in Acts that we read about him getting knocked off his horse by Jesus, off his high horse, in a sense. Um, and he realized that while, you know, sometimes we need to, we need to think well, we need to maybe perhaps expand our idea of what, of what faith actually says, at the end of the day, we have to begin to understand that this is about Jesus and that he's big enough to hold all that we have. That Paul would say, look, I, man, I got lots to sort of depend on. I got lots to feel under control. I just consider that stuff rubbish. In fact, he said in Colossians 1, he says, I've become its servant. That's, it's the gospel, the good news of what Jesus is about. By the commission of God to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. You think he's going to start to go on and on and on about all the rules, all the regulations, all the things you can do, all the things you can't do, all the things you got to know, all the chance you got to do? No, no, no. He says, look, it's 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 a mystery. It's a mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now it's disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. That means the people who are outside of Israel are outside of the chosen ones. Everybody. The people who Israel would consider dogs. The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You want to know where our hope, in a sense, a life that matters, the hope of glory? It's about Christ in you. And that's what he pours himself out for. At the end of the day, there will be times when we'll realize, when we engage in the wider world, when we'll realize, I don't, I can't get my head around absolutely everything. That it, but I have to begin to say, what is it that I trust, even if there are things that I just can't 
No. And what Paul is adamant about is it is about Christ and Christ crucified. That's what makes the difference. It is Christ that will show up in any situation you're in and hold you. It is Jesus who is capable of dealing with all your disappointments, your doubts, the brokenness in your life. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's not about what you know. It's not about what you control. It's about Christ who is able to deal. You don't have to worry about protecting yourself, protecting life. You can live large. It's about Christ. It's about a person. See, we could, there'll be things we don't know. There'll be a sense of humility that we'll have to come to. There'll be a sense which we can come up with answers, but they're never gonna matter. Why did this girl die? I have a technical answer. I don't know what happened with the accident. Does that make sense of life? No. It's still at the end you're going, why, why that day? Why, why, why was, why did the accident happen then? Why? There are things I don't, I don't know why she died. I don't know why she died early. I have no idea. But I do know that Jesus is faithful. I do know that Jesus, in the midst of nothing but death and chaos and confusion, was shown to be good and shown to be trustworthy and shown to begin to make sense of life that is hard. I know that even when I don't get something that I can trust, and I can trust in Jesus. Paul says, the prayer that, I just, I'll read this and then we'll close. It's my prayer. And the prayer is, is, um, is this, is continuing in the passage. See, he's the one, Jesus, that we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature, complete, in Christ. It's to this end that I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. My prayer is that faith, your faith would grow, but more importantly, my prayer is that you would come to know the God who made himself known in the person of Jesus and that walks with you intimately, that you would know that he is powerful enough, present enough, loving enough, and able to hold all that your life contains. That's my prayer.